Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. It is a sad fact. According to some statistics that I recently came across, the decline of people in America who attend a worship service on a Sunday since 2003 has been steadily declining. It has gone since 2003 from only 39% then to about 29% now. The idea of assembling together to worship God is becoming much less than it ought to be. However, when you come to the time of Christmas and the time of Easter, everything shoots up. And during those times, respectively, 45% and 51% of the people in America find a place to be on that Sunday to worship. Were we able? Today is that Easter day. And apparently, 51% of our people in America had planned to be together. My question for you today is a question that has been asked of me. And I think it is a good idea for us to consider it together. And as I said, we're doing things a little bit differently uh, this morning because... As this sermon unfolds, we're moving toward a time when we are going to participate in the Lord's Supper together. And so I want you to be thinking about that as we move through this, preparing ourselves for that event. So our question is this, what did Jesus teach about Easter? Well, first of all, in order to answer that question, there's another one that we need to think about first. And it's broader than the question about Easter. It's a broad question that says, has it been authorized in Scripture for Christians to observe special religious days in honoring God? Now, we all understand that the first day of the week is a special day. But the question is, are there other days? Does God approve of us having other days that we celebrate, other days that we give specially to honor God? There are three passages that help us to understand this idea. You might turn first to Romans chapter 14. Paul was addressing this topic and he addressed it in chapter 14 verses 5 and 6. And notice what Paul said to the Romans. He gave them, it seems, clear authorization to do that very thing. Notice, one person esteems one day above another. And another person esteems every day alike. Let each one be convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day to the Lord, he observes it. 
He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. And then he also deals in the last part of that verse with his discussion about uh, the types of foods to eat. He says, he who eats, eats to the Lord because he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And then he says, but he gives God thanks. Look at verse 7. None of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Paul said to the Romans, it is acceptable for a person to make a decision that says, I'm going to honor this day specially for the Lord. But each one of us must be convinced in our own mind that we can do that. And then he says, remember, you are serving the Lord yourself. You stand before the Lord. You're going to be judged on an individual basis, not as a group. And therefore, the decision that you make concerning this is from your own mind. But apparently, the Roman Christians were told, yes, it is permissible for you to do this. Now, turn to Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, he says the same thing, but he adds a little bit to it to help us understand the concept. Look, if you will, at verse number 16. Let no one judge you in food or drink or festivals or new moons or Sabbaths, all of which, he says, are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now, I think he was telling the Colossians this. Given that the Romans had understood through that writing that it was okay to have a special day to the Lord, he then tells the Colossian Christians, now, you act in such a way that no one judges you by what you are doing. It might mean, one of the things that it probably means is this. Don't allow anyone to make your decision about doing this or not and deciding that you're a Christian or you're not a Christian based upon what you decide on this subject. Don't put up with someone judging you because you do have these days or because you don't. But I think he's also telling these Colossians, when you do this, don't act in such a way that people will want to judge you. Don't do it in such a way that you would say, I'm doing it and you ought to do it. Or I'm not doing it and you ought not to do it. Placing a a situation where people will want to make judgment calls. Paul is telling the Colossians, you need to do it in a proper way and do it as you and the Lord. But now back up to Galatians chapter 4. Now in this situation, there is an obvious change in Paul's attitude about special days. But there's a reason why. Start in verse 8. But you indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those things which by nature are not gods. 
But now, after you have known God, or rather, are known by God, how is it that you turn again to these weak and beggarly elements to which you would desire again to be in bondage? You notice, observe days and months and seasons and years. And Paul said, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored among you in vain. All of a sudden, it sounds like Paul's changed his mind. Now he's saying, no, I don't think you should be doing this. Well, wait a minute. What's going on here? If you remember back in Galatians chapter 2, Peter had come and he was with Greek Christians, Gentile Christians. And they were eating together and sharing a meal and having fellowship. And then a group of Jewish Christians from Jerusalem came there. And Peter, or Paul, or Peter that is, picked up and moved over to eat with them and would not eat with these Gentile Christians because the Judaizing teachers had said, you can't do this because they are not following Christianity as they should. There were a group of Jewish Christians who were running around after Paul and trying to convince people that in order to be a Christian, they also must follow some of the Jewish laws, one of which certainly included circumcision. Well, Peter got caught up in this. Peter got caught up in this controversy, and he separated himself from those Gentile Christians, and even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, went with him. And the Bible says in Galatians 2, that Paul had to rebuke Peter on this occasion. So what is the, the context in this church? Well, there was a, a problem between the things that Jews expected Gentiles to do when they came into the church. And therefore it appears to me in this passage of Galatians 4 uh, that Paul is saying to them, here is the problem. You have decided to observe these days and months and seasons and years because you think by not doing it you would be wrong. You think not doing it makes you unfaithful. Paul said, I'm afraid for you. You have been convinced of something that is not right. You have been convinced that it is only by observing these things that you are then considered to be faithful. So when we put all of these things together, what does the Bible teach about these special days? Well, the Bible certainly gives us authority as individuals to celebrate a certain day to the Lord. A person might decide today I'm not going to work. I am going to study and pray and fast and this is a special day between me and the Lord and I think that's perfectly fine to do. But I don't need to do it by flaunting it in someone's face. I don't need to look down at others who are not doing the same thing. And I myself must make sure that I don't decide that, that this is something I have to do to be right with the Lord. 
It's something that I'm permitted to do, but certainly not commanded to do. And that's what the Bible says about special days. Now, tonight, we're going to think for a few minutes about what are the dangers of special day religion? What are the dangers involved in it? Not that it is wrong. I've already said God approves of it. But what are the dangers? I hope you'll join us tonight as we think about that. So now, as we continue with our question, we have understood the concept generally of special days. Now, for just a minute, let us consider and understand Easter. For those of you who might not know this, in churches of Christ, as a church thing, we do not observe the Easter time. That is, we don't follow what is known as the Easter calendar. There are other churches who do. We just don't. And I admit that having never done so, I really didn't understand a whole lot about Easter until I looked into it myself just to understand what the religious world is doing. Now, I'm not at all saying that this is a thing that is sinful. and I'm just saying this is not what we do. But I want you to understand what it is happening. And if I have understood it, this is sort of what the religious world follows in a, in a great majority concerning this time of the year. And especially for our people who really have not gotten into that celebration, maybe we don't understand. I know I didn't, so here are some thoughts. The entire uh, Easter celebration is about 47 days. It began 47 days ago on a Tuesday, which a name that I'd never heard, Shrove Tuesday. I know it better and heard it better as Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras. The, the last day before the Lenten season kicks off in which there is fasting and uh, keeping things away, there's self-reflection, there is giving up certain things, and it began on that Tuesday. The following day was the beginning of the Lenten time called Ash Wednesday. Apparently in many places, uh, churches have some palm branches from the previous Palm Sunday a year ago that they burn, and the ashes are then put on the forehead of those congregants who want to observe the Lenten time. This period of Lent lasts for 46 days. It includes 40 days of fasting, and then six Sundays included there as well. I didn't find this, but I'm guessing that the 40 days might have something to do with Jesus' time in the wilderness when he was there for 40 days. So that period of time happens, and then comes what is called Holy Week. And Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday. This is the day when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the week of his crucifixion. And that week is a special week, and that's the week that we have just gone through in that religious world. And they would have special days. Uh, they would, for instance, uh, have a special day 
on uh, Wednesday because that's the day that Judas Iscariot uh, left the event and was going to betray Jesus, made his intentions known with the, the rulers as it were. Uh, there is that Thursday when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. And then, of course, Good Friday when, when he was crucified, followed by today when Jesus was raised. That's the, the calendar that much of the religious world follows. Now, it may very well be that this is the time of the year that Jesus was crucified and was resurrected, probably is. So that is the time, that is what's going on in the religious world. So now we ask our question, what did Jesus teach about Easter? Well, the answer is very simple. Jesus taught nothing about Easter. He just didn't. I know what Jesus did teach. When I say he taught nothing about Easter, what I mean is he taught nothing about this calendar of events that people are following today. The, the date for Easter was set in the religious world by a council of churches getting together way back in 325 A.D. That's when they decided this is when we're going to celebrate Easter every year. Now, admittedly, that means there had been some sporadic or maybe a lot of observing of it. There are a lot of things that would have happened after Jesus left. But to say that Jesus preached and taught about Easter would be wrong, for he did not. But what I do know he taught was his death, burial, and resurrection. As we prepare ourselves to participate in that event, let's understand what Jesus taught we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to notice particularly verse 23. Look what Paul said. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. What Paul is going to write about, Paul said, this is what Jesus gave to me. Now, one of two things would be true, it seems to me. Either Paul left out what Jesus revealed about Easter, or Paul didn't, didn't include it because Jesus didn't talk about it. Well, that's what I believe is the case. But he did talk about this time of year. He did talk about the events that happened that this celebration is designed to observe. Paul delivered to these people what Jesus told him. What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus preach? What did Jesus expect that today we should still be doing? We should, verse 24, break the bread... As he said, take, eat. 
This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He did say, take the cup and drink from it, all of you. He did teach the ongoing of this supper, this feast that memorializes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He did, in fact, teach that. And notice what Paul said in verse 26, as was read earlier. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till He comes. In other words, Paul received from Jesus the idea that he intended for his people to remember his death, burial, and resurrection until he returned. That was what he intended. And these people got it. They understood it. They received from the Lord through Paul and the other writers of Scripture and preachers and teachers, they received the message and they obeyed it. Look back in verse 17. When he began this writing, In giving these instructions I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. Now, granted, they were causing some problems when they came together. That's not what we're considering. Here is what... I know they were coming together. And I also know from Acts 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week, when you come together, that's what they did. And that's exactly involved in the admonition of Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. I think that... Jesus did not teach anything about the Easter celebration of the religious world today. Now, that doesn't, therefore, say that it is wrong to be involved in that. But what it says is, it's in addition to, it's not what Jesus taught. But we should, in fact, listen to what He did teach. And He taught that we should meet together on a regular basis, partake of the Lord's Supper, remember His death, burial, and resurrection. Those early Christians got it. They heard the message. And for 2,000 plus years, Christians all over the world have heard that message. And they have been observing this on a regular basis. And while some emphasize it more during this time than any other. I believe the Bible wants us to emphasize this supper every week, remembering every week what Jesus has done for us. And now we're going to take that supper together. Let us take the bread together. Will you bow as we pray? God, we thank you for the event that Jesus gave his life. And as his body hung there on that tree, and he said that his body was given for us, we appreciate that. We thank you for that. 
And we honor Jesus because he chose to do that. And help us, God, now as we all participate in this event together to remember what he did, to appreciate what he did, and as a group to be drawn together through our participating in this event. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now as the text says, Jesus after supper took the cup. It was because the Passover meal that they had observed involved unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. It had other things connected with it as well. And they ate that meal. But there are only two parts of that meal that Jesus included in this observance. The unleavened bread that is his body. But then the cup. That symbolized the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. The blood that cleanses from sins. That makes us whiter than snow. Let us pray together. We thank you, our God, that we can have the opportunity to be whiter than snow. That we can, through the blood of Jesus, have our garments cleansed of the stain of sin. And we appreciate the opportunity to observe this event. We thank you, God, that we can observe it every week so that we're never far from it and that we are reminded of it continually. Bless all of us now together, both through this avenue and even worldwide, as we partake in this cup together. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. As we close, I'd like to have a few thoughts just before we end for the day. Some have said to me and accused those who partake of the supper every week. And they make a statement something along the lines of, well, if you do it every week, it's just not special. And and therefore, we do it once a quarter or once a year, as some might. And and okay, I, I understand that. But let me ask you a question. If you are married, is it less special for you to say to your spouse, I love you every day? Why not just say it once a year? Boy, that'd be really special, wouldn't it? Is it less special when your children move away that you only see them every now and then? Let's make it once a year instead. And boy, it'd be really special to get together. Or would you rather do it every day? How about a particular food that you really like? Does it make it more special if you eat it once a year? Or is it something that you want to have a whole lot? People know me well. If I only went to Taco Bell one time a year, I'd go crazy. That's just how it is. And every now and then I'll think to myself, I haven't had a hamburger in a few days. I need a hamburger. Oh, but what if I just build up one time a year? Does having five hamburgers make it less special than the one? Of course not. And our time together on the Lord's Day every week does not make it less special. Oh, contrary. It makes it more special. Because we know every week, it begins our week. We start out with it. 
And we live in it all week until the next time. For all of us, will you think deeply, please, about this event? Will you consider, please, what Jesus intended? And if you're not right with the Lord, if you're not in the family of God, if you've not been immersed into His family to be a child of God, if you've not lived a life as a Christian that is proper, will you decide during having considered this great event, will you decide, okay, I'm ready to serve the Lord? If we can help you, please call. Let us be involved in your life to help you be what God wants you to be. Again, we thank you for joining us today. We look forward to tonight when we consider what are the dangers of this special religious day celebration. We have another song as we close. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.